Geniuses. My name is Jessica Lopez Hermanton, and I am the creator and founder of OT Genius. And you're listening to Pre OT Secrets. On this show, we talk about how to get into occupational therapy school, how to do it in the most financially savvy way. And we also dive into the stories of pre OTs, current OT professionals, and students to learn how they got in and what their experiences were like. And so we're here to inspire, motivate, and encourage you throughout your OT journey and show you how you can be a successful OT school applicant and become the OT that you want to be. Now, on to the show. OT geniuses, welcome back to another pre-OT secrets episode. My name is Jessica and we have Cheryl Crow from Arthritis Life back on. If you did not listen to the first episode, please go back and listen to it because you're missing out. It was great. It was just fantastic. And we're going to give more fantastic awesomeness right now. Yes. <laughs> so I hope you're feeling just the excitement. And so here we go, guys. So we do have Cheryl back, like I said, and she was talking about her journey, get like just what getting into OT school was kind of like in her undergraduate and then dealing with rheumatoid arthritis and how that has, you know, led her to be where she is today. But we're going to dive in a little bit deeper right now into her story. And like that, you can see how you can too, as a future occupational therapist, find your niche. She found her niche. It was all through just being very intro- like introspective and working within a realm that she's passionate about. But, but let's dive in a little bit more. And so Cheryl, how did you end up working with individuals with arthritis? Like how exactly did that all start? We know that I know that you know you shared with us that you you have a diagnosis of yourself, but how was the process of you building that niche, getting to work with a particular group of pe- people and serving a group of people that you are passionate about? Like, how did you go about that? Yeah. So when I first graduated OT school, I made a very conscious choice to keep my OT life and my arthritis life separate. I said, okay, I'm going to do, I, I am passionate about helping others with arthritis, especially because so many of them never get any tools in their OT mm-hmm. toolbox, but I'm going to do that through volunteering with nonprofits and foundations and doing like freelance articles for health publications, like everyday health and Healthline. And I was just asked, you know, once I started sharing my story at, at various arthritis foundation events, I was just asked by different people. Cause they could just tell, Oh, this, this lady's going to talk about, you know, she'll, she'll share her story and people are excited to hear it. So I was doing that on the side while also digging into my original goal, which was pediatric OT. And basically I'm going to be really blunt here and I'm sorry if I'm offending anyone, but like, <laughs> I, and this is a problem in some areas, not all areas. There are children who are being overserved in the school system, in the private clinics. And what I mean by overserved is they don't really, really need occupational therapy. And it's, it's a, there's a thin line, right? Sometimes between, okay. Yeah. Is it tutoring? Are we, if we're working on handwriting, is that something a tutor could do or an educational assistant? Or is it like skilled occupational therapy? Right. And, and it, it wasn't like I felt necessarily like it was unethical. Again, it's different people are, have the right to choose to draw that line in the sand wherever they want. But it was frustrating me to think like, 
it felt to me like there's people, if you think of like the analogy of food, let's say there's people who are like starving, which are the people with autoimmune diseases who are getting no services. Like you literally get diagnosed Mm -hmm. with lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, psoriatic arthritis, these systemic lifelong conditions that reduce your lifespan that are associated with heart failure, lung issues. Like these are not just, oh, my joints hurt. They were getting no education, no services. Just here's this 20 minute appointment for a diagnosis. Go figure it out. Go take the medications. And then there's people in the schools who are getting like week after week after, or not schools necessarily. It's actually a bigger problem in the clinic. Week after week after week of services when they don't like kind of like, do they really need it or not? I was just like, why is this happening? And so I had this thought in the back of my head, someone needs to do something. Like someone needs to go out and help these people with arthritis. And, and then I just kind of was like, wait, I am someone, maybe I could do this. <laughs> and so my, again, I'm very like, okay, when I commit to something, I'm very stubborn. And especially it's like, I don't know if you've heard of like sunken cost fallacy, but it's like, once you've put a lot of work and effort, I mean, I really delved into peds. Like I didn't want to let go of my peds identity altogether. And I actually love wow. I loved it. So wow. my goal was I took a, I thought I was taking a year off in the 2019, 2020 school year. I was taking one year off. That was my plan. And I was going to be at home with my son who's just started kindergarten. And I was going to, in my mind, start this arthritis talk show, which I actually almost called arthritis life, the arthritis talk show. And it was, it was on YouTube. And so, and because every single time I shared life, simple life hacks, simple reflections on the psychosocial aspects of living with rheumatoid arthritis, the response was incredible. Like when I shared it on social media, it's just, it told me that no one else was talking about these things in the way that I, I was. And so that's very exciting. Like, an, and they, they say like an entrepreneur is simply somebody who just like sees a problem that needs to be solved, <laughs> you know? And I was like, this is yeah. a problem and I know the solution. And also I took, took a step back and I was like, if you've heard that Japanese concept of ikagi or ikagai, where it's like, what am yeah. I good at? What does the world need? What can I get paid for? And what do I enjoy? And I felt like yeah. with pediatric OT in traditional settings, I enjoyed it and I got paid for it and I was good at it, but the world didn't need my unique lens to do that necessarily, especially because there were so mm. many people also doing it right. Then where there was like nobody doing what I'm doing now. And I, again, there's a few more that have I popped up, but there's nobody help from the OT world that I could find that was helping people with the really t- what we call top down interventions, not just hand therapy. I'm sorry. I'm not, don't want to offend anyone as a hand therapist. Hand therapy is amazing, but your hand is connected to your rest of your body that it has thoughts and feelings and emotions and difficulty with fatigue and systemic things. So I actually don't see clients one-on-one. What I do is mm-hmm. I offer what's really kind of called population-based OT in a way where I do a lot of public health education, again, through these fun techniques like Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, and being con- being a, a patient educator in like the content creator space and influencer space. And then I also did create my own for-profit like, company, Arthritis Life. I do patient self-management courses, online courses and support groups that are, that are all group formats. So right now I'm not doing hardly anything one-on-one. I do like one-off consultations, but, but I'm able to have a bigger impact by working in groups than, and doing courses that are self-paced. Of course. So yeah, it really evolved. So I, cause it's so go back to chronologically. So 2019, 20, I'm taking this one year off within well, 2020, the pandemic hits. And I'm like, well, I don't want to go back in the school system now. This is a total mess. Like 
And you know, my, I have to be at home with my son now because he's doing virtual learning. Like, how am I going to balance being a school OT while he's in virtual school? So I just was able to slowly let go of, of that because again, it, it was really hard at first, but once I got the, saw the response to what I was doing with arthritis life, it was easier to kind of say, I might still integrate like peds with my arthritis life. Of course I could do pediatric when there's tons of kids, there's more children. If you don't know this, there's more children with juvenile idiopathic arthritis than there are with juvenile diabetes and hardly anyone knows about it. And again, it is not just joint pain. It joint pain is one small part, but inflammation does not like to stay in one space. So if stays starts in the joints, it's a systemic inflammatory condition that affects all body systems, including the brain, energy levels, fatigue, and other comorbidities. That, and it's, it's an, it's immuno, you have to be immunosuppressed when you're on these medications. So during a pandemic, it's just a big thing. So so anyway, that's, that's how I, I started doing it. I did, I will, I want to give a shout out to, there's, there's a whole group of OT entrepreneurs. And in 2020 May, I did the OT Entrepreneur Summit. And that was an educational event from Trish Williams and Laura Park Figueroa. And I also did Melissa LaPointe, who's OT's Gone Rogue. I don't know if you've heard her podcast or her yeah. stuff. She, incredible. She had, I actually received one-on-one business coaching for her. Or I invested in one-on-one business coaching from her. And now I'm in her group coaching program. And that has helped a lot because, you know, I didn't know the first thing about running a business. I actually, I actually seriously considered making arthritis life a nonprofit, but for many reasons, I, right. I went for profit. Oh um, yeah, no, for sure. So yeah. Oh my gosh. I could speak about entrepreneurship all day. It's what I encourage my students to do. Like guys, if you sign up for road to accept it, yes, we're here to get you into a T school, but you need to recognize that. It doesn't end there. There is going to come a time where you're going to be a student. There's going to be a time where you're going to graduate from OT school. And then what? And I want you guys to realize that, just to be quite frank, and I'm sure Cheryl can add to this, this is totally off the cuff here and not even like the entrepreneurial streets can be rough and you need mentorship. You need guidance. I myself too have invested in mentorship for business coaching and it's how little by little, even though I'm nowhere nowhere near where I would personally like to be. And I I accept where I am in my journey and I'm content with where I am, but I'm just going to continue moving forward. And so you need to find how she was saying, what does the world need from you? And for me, it was this gap of Man, there's so many resources out there for OT students. Any clinician that really wants to learn a little bit more about arthritis, they can follow your page, see your videos, follow your hacks and things of that nature. Maybe even sign up for your group. And if they want to get like get involved and maybe speak to other people, there's so many things that they can do, right? Like there are resources out there for people at all levels, for students, I would say, and clinicians. But I really didn't see people taking the time to bridge the gap between pre-OTs and OT students mm. and even clinicians. One of the biggest problems that I see, I don't know if this was your, the case for, for you, but for me, I didn't know any current OT students really when I was a pre-OT. Mm-hmm. There were only like, I only knew one. And I did a poll a while back. Do you know? Or when you were a pre-OT, did you know more than five current students or clinicians? 80%, about 80% said, no, they didn't. And I was like, wow, (laughs) that is wild. So this is why I'm doing this podcast and 
you know, I think it's really important for you guys to hear the stories of current OTs, current OT students. And so and but yeah, that's a little bit about my journey and why why I decided to to do it. It's like I saw a need, I saw a problem that needed to to be solved. And I figured that by building my space, I could do something. And so yeah, it's just about adding and providing value to the people that you wish to to serve. I love it. Yeah. So great. So well, thank you for letting me rant there. <laughs> no, that's what I do on my podcast too. <laughs> <laughs> you guys should go check her podcast out if you have not. So all the information is going to be in the show note description down below as well. So be sure to to check that out, guys, so you can get in touch with her and follow all the cool things that she's doing. So I have a question for you. If you were to choose OT all over again, would you and why? Okay. I thought about this a lot because I, I, it's a very conflicting question for me. So this is how I've decided to answer it or <laughs> this is how I've decided to think of it. There's two different options. If you're t- saying that if I could go back in time to 2010, would I do OT school again? Yes, I would, because I am happy with where I ended up. And I'm too I'm nervous that if I did something else, I'm not sure I would have ended up where I am. But if you're saying right now in 2022, if I was not an OT, let's say I had continued working in nonprofits and then I was considering OT, I personally now at age 40 in 2022, I would actually pursue a PhD in psychology and become a psychologist. And that's, and it's, it's not that there's anything against OT. It's just, you know, yeah, that's what I'm most passionate about now. And if you haven't read the book, The Happiness Trap, A Guide to Acceptance and Commitment Therapy, I really highly recommend it. Acceptance and Commitment Therapy, also known as ACT, is by far the most helpful mental health therapy technique I've ever done as a patient and also used as a clinician. And it's applicable. It's really about, it's a mindfulness and behavior approach. It's technically considered a little bit of an arm of like CBT plus mindfulness. So it's really kind of a perfect, I mean, obviously I'm very, I'm very biased because it just worked so well, but it's basically saying it's very congruent with occupational therapy. And I'm actually talking to the, the people who do the, the OT for mental health, a vision for participation textbooks to make sure it gets into the next one. But it's saying, it's saying accepting and connecting to the present moment. That's that present awareness of like what's happening right now, the actual life I have with the pain I have, with the limitations I have, and then identifying what's important to you and taking meaningful action towards that. So it's all about meaningful activities. Like, hello, that's like the definition of occupation right? It's meaningful activity. So, but the, the orientation to it is very different than how most people think. Cause most people say, if I have these barriers to function, I just need to like remove the barriers. But this act is all about saying, okay, even if we can't remove those barriers, how can we still function? How can we still have a good meaningful life? So anyway, that's what I end up, you know, I, I, my tagline in my head, it's not public for arthritis life is come for the life hacks, stay for the emotional support because the life hacks mm-hmm. everyone mm-hmm. loves. I mean, that's where I get the most views on and the most comments about, but the mental health support is what it's like, is what ends up having that deeper impact. And, and so I, I'm just really, you know, it's kind of funny. I've come full circle because I majored as in my bachelor's in psychology and I kind of come back to, to that. So I'd be like a clinical psych, I would get a degree in clinical psychology and then still apply it how I'm doing it it now, but you know, cause I mean, honestly, you don't need a master's to know life hacks for arthritis. You really don't. This is like year one OT stuff, like OT school stuff. And the, the, the issue isn't that people need to necessarily learn some deep, difficult thing. It's just that they're not mm-hmm. getting the most basic education. And I'm talking, when I say life hacks, I'm talking like a jar opener, 
I have 500,000 views on a video of me literally using a toilet paper wiping aid. It's like a stick where you put the toilet paper on the end of it. I'm not naked or anything. I'm like, I have my clothes on. I'm just trying to use it. People love this stuff and it's exciting, but then the deeper work, so you can give people tools to empower them. And that's mentally helpful to say, I have tools. I don't have to feel ashamed that I can't wipe myself independently. But then you can say the deeper work is, okay, can I accept myself? Can I accept my limitations? Can I accept myself wearing a compression brace? I'm not wearing them right now, <laughs> but you know, can I accept my, my limitations and still love myself and love my life the way it is and not spend my whole life wishing it was different. And that's, that's the work I'm the most excited by. So short story long. <laughs> that's very, it. very cool. Very, very cool. I think it just comes to show that I think because I actually get that question from some students because there's some students that they are just learning about occupational therapy and they're trying to figure out if they want this master's and they or this doctorate that you know that is being required of them to enter the profession. So they always ask, Do you like being an occupational therapist? Would you go and do it all over again? And I always just come back to like your career is going to be what you make of it. And if there's anything that I've come to learn, there's no safe haven in, in health and healthcare. You could think that maybe becoming a nurse is going to be what's, you know, like the thing that is going to be for you. And then you're going to find things wrong there. You're going to think. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you could. So I think really what it comes down to is, are you happy? And can you live with your choice? And I think you've just done such a wonderful job of going with the the current of life and just taking, allowing it to take you to where you need to be. Just oh, you, thank you. So yeah, so yeah. You know, there's, I think. Oh, sorry. I was just going to no, say no, what, no. everything you're saying reminds me of one of my favorite things. Is I did. I struggled at times. I was like, oh, I think the thing that I don't like sometimes is this that the lack of awareness about the, mm-hmm. the role of occupational therapy. And I know it seems of like course. a cop out to be like, I'm just going to be a psychologist because people actually know what that mm-hmm. is and respect it, but bloom where you're planted. Like that's a big thing. I repeat to myself, like blooming where you are planted. This is where you planted yourself, especially if you already committed, you know, financially and time-wise to your school. And it's very true. The grass is always greener. I don't think I'd be happier or better in any way if I was a psychologist. It's just what my passion is. Yeah. more into now. And occupational therapy does have our roots in mental health, but, um, exactly. but I'm really enamored of going deeper into psychology. That's why I would do it. But do not fool yourself by thinking that if you were just a nurse or just a PT, life would be better. You know, there's ophthalmologists, they're doctor, ophthalmologists are doctors, right? And they're like, oh, everyone thinks I'm an optometrist. And that's just, you know, like there's every, or there's a phys- physiatrist and they're like, oh, physiatrist is like a physical medicine and rehab doctor. Right. Oh, well, people think I'm a psychiatrist. They don't know what I do. Like there's issues in all areas of, of professions. Like my husband works at a video game company and people think, oh, that must be so fun. You just play video games all day. And eh, no, those guys work really hard. Yeah. You know? So yeah. Um, yeah, no one's life is perfect. Yeah. So sorry. I'm just agreeing with you. And yeah, you're, you're, thank you. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. So All right. I have another question for you. Since our listeners are mainly pre-occupational therapy students and current students, what do you wish more students knew or did when working with arthritis patients? Yeah. 
First of all, you have to understand that the arthritis, the word arthritis is not a diagnosis or condition. It is an umbrella word in this, and it's a symptom of many different conditions. So arthritis means joint inflammation. Arthro is joint. Itis is inflammation. It's like saying I have arthritis is like saying I have a tummy ache. You can have a tummy ache from just eating too much spicy food. You can have a tummy ache from stomach cancer. You can have a tummy ache from poison. You have to figure out what is the root cause of that. So arthritis, again, is a very nonspecific umbrella symptom of over a hundred different specific diagnoses and conditions. So this is why I don't like when OT say, we don't treat the diagnosis, we treat the person. Well, if your joint pain is from an inflammatory autoimmune condition, you better believe I want you to treat it differently than if it's from wear and tear osteoarthritis. Those are totally different situations and they need to be approached differently. So osteoarthritis is by far the most prevalent, you know, 54 million Americans have one form of arthritis or another. The vast majority of that is I think 50 million osteoarthritis. And that's the kind associated with aging, wear and tear over time or injury. So a lot of times the shorthand, people just say arthritis when they mean osteoarthritis, but the other 4 million are these inflammatory or autoimmune forms of arthritis that are really more similar to again, lupus or multiple sclerosis than they are to osteoarthritis. So yes, The most important thing is it is not just joint pain. Even for someone with osteoarthritis, Mm -hmm. we're OTs, right? We're supposed to be looking at the big holistic picture, biopsychosocial framework. Do not just think, oh, I'm going to just help their thumb. Like you have, of course you have to help the joint and joint pain is one of the chief complaints of having even inflammatory arthritis. But a lot of the people I work with, their number one complaint is actually fatigue. Because again, it's, it's exhausting when your immune system is fighting itself. When I say it's autoimmune, I mean, your immune system for rheumatoid arthritis and psoriatic and ankylosing spondylitis is attacking the lining of your joint. So it's like that feeling like the end of the flu, you know, or any virus where you're just exhausted because your, your system is like really busy fighting something. It's doing that, but it's against your own body. And so just look at it from a big picture standpoint. Don't just look at it as joint pain. It's really honestly like insulting to me how many people who have gone to get a master's or doctorate in OT or PT who don't have the first idea that this is something you have to know. And then secondly, is just really understand that pain, whether it's from arthritis or other things, pain is a, all pain is processed in the brain. And that doesn't mean that Mm -hmm. someone's pain is in their head, but really understand pain science. Modern pain science is not really taught very deeply in in medical school or in in occupational therapy school. So understand that there are, it is very complex and everything's interrelated. So, you know, my stress, my sleep, my exercise, nutrition, all those choices I make, the lifestyle choices I make and the the psychological phenomenon I experience really affect my pain as well. So don't just yeah. think of pain as like, oh, I have to put ice or Ooh. heat on it. You know, learn the mental. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and the lifestyle aspect of it too. And how that can just help. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that was good. That was good. Guys, take that okay. with you as you go through your OT journey, your OT school journey. <laughs> so, all righty. Thank you. Thank you again, Cheryl. I just appreciate you being on here and taking the time to just speak with me and our listeners who are listening in any other last words of wisdom or like if you could give pre-OT Cheryl or our current students any advice what would that be in terms of like going into OT school and things of that nature what advice would you give them I would say learn about not only acceptance and commitment therapy but learn about self-compassion because self-compassion 
Dr. Kristen Neff, she's a psychologist. She specializes in self-compassion. I think I was saying earlier, oh, I think people kind of complain about OT school too much. Sometimes I do, think, <laughs> I do think occupational therapy school in my professional opinion is unnecessarily difficult for what our clients actually need. Like the, again, our clients are often facing really basic challenges and we need, I would prefer that some of the energy put into like finding these extremely minutiae answers to extremely minutiae questions. If we put that energy towards just improving access to OT services, again, people, mm-hmm. there's so many people who could benefit from entry-level professions or students' knowledge that aren't even getting services. So anyway, but point being self-compassion is the ability to treat yourself the same compassion you would treat like a friend. And it sounds so simple, but I think there is something with OT school that in, in all, a lot of healthcare programs that they can be really hard on you and make you think that if you didn't, you know, you have to do everything perfectly and get the right answer and learning right. how to be compassionate to yourself about your own mistakes that you're going to make mistakes. You're a human being. Human life involves suffering. You have to learn to give yourself. Don't operate under this illusion that if you just did the right thing, you'd be happy. You're going to experience sadness. You're going to experience frustration and anger and yeah, learn how to give yourself compassion in those moments. So look up self-compassion. That's going to help a lot. That's awesome. Thank you so much. This is guys, if you guys go back through the episodes and you listen to these interviews, I ask that question all the time to our guests and you'll see that each and every one of them come up with a different thing. I want to listen too. I'm sorry. (laughs) This came up. I'm like, I can't believe it's the end of April when we're recording this. I just, my brain was like exploding this week. I'm like, it just, April just started. So yeah, I, I, the end of of OT month is when this is being recorded. So and um, I am very but, gung-ho. Like, I love OT. I'm constantly, and people, people are telling me all the time, I didn't even know OT existed or that it was different than PT. And I got, mm-hmm. I asked my rheumatologist for a referral to OT. And I'm like, I'm very gung-ho. And I love, even if I became a psychologist, I would always advocate for OT as well. So I hope oh, I didn't yeah. come across as not, but happy OT month. Happy OT month. I really don't think that that was the case at, at all. Okay. It just comes to show that there are, it's really more about where you want to take your career. There's different ways that you can niche different types of people that you can help. And we're just so, so, so broad. And we definitely know if anybody knows it's you is the value that occupational therapy can bring to, you know, arthritis patients, whether it's inflammatory or osteoarthritis and Mm. stuff. Yeah. So Definitely. I know that of all people, you're an OT advocate for that. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you again, Cheryl, and I will see you in the next one. All right. Bye-bye for now. (laughs) Bye-bye. so much for joining me and taking time out of your day to listen. We hope this has been valuable and will get you one step closer to being the occupational therapist you want to be. You can check out all of our resources and social media platforms on otgenius.com. The website again is otgenius.com. If you wish to connect with us, you can do so by booking a consultative call on the website or even find us on Instagram. The handle is at ot.genius and you can there join our monthly newsletter and stay up to date on all the things we are doing to help you succeed. We hope that you have a great day and thank you again for listening.